welcome, welcome back to In The Zone. Special guest, our very one, a, a childhood favorite of mine. Everybody know who he is. One half of one of the greatest tag teams in all of sports entertainment, wrestling, whatever you want to call it. It's Animal of the Legion of Doom. Animal, how you doing? Good, man, good. good. How you guys doing, bro? I hear that music. That's, that's my ringtone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, see, you see me in the airport when people give me a call, and all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> Yes, yes, I love that. I love that. Animal, uh, so much it, so much I can say to you, man. You know, I, I enjoyed watching you part of one of the greatest tag teams ever. And I mean, uh, seeing you. Okay, all right, all right, here, here, let's just make it easy. The. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. The greatest and, tag you know, team ever. Any poll you see, any fan poll, yeah. professional poll, who won more different titles and everything else, it's freaking hands down. You know, the Road Warriors won more than anybody else. I'll Sorry. admit, I it's saw. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good with it. I'm sorry, on the WWE Network, they had the top 10 greatest teams, tag teams, but you were instantly number one. And so I'm like, there was no no chance that anybody else was going to make that top spot. But you, you know what? It was funny. At one time, you know, they had one of those about a year ago. Uh-huh. And some, somehow, WWE had Edge and Christian listed number one. Are you serious? Flop. No, and, and the fans... The fans actually rode in and beat them up so bad that within a week, that within a week, the Road Warriors were back on number one. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that works. Joe Laurinaitis is joining us here on In the Zone. Joe, you know, so you know, so many stories that we love to hear. You know, about you guys and your tag team uh, success. Uh, just not too long ago, we had lost uh, Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, you uh, were a part, uh, you were teammates of his, you know, where you were uh, back in the day. So can you give us a little bit of insight on uh, your thoughts about Dusty Rhodes? You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, behind the scenes stuff, of course, you know, the wrestling business is such a private business that we don't let a lot of, a lot of stuff out of the bag, you know, behind the scenes because some of the guys are real instrumental in other people's careers. And uh, Dusty used to call Hawk and I, where are my babies? Where are my babies? <laughs> uh, 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 here we are, you know, I'm 320, Hawk was 270, where's my baby, you know? <laughs> Freaking tra tra traps busted out of our ears and everything else. But but Dusty was very instrumental and took the Road Warriors underneath his wing. I mean, he saw the money that was there for us to draw with the NWA and WCW. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I don't want to say he coddled us, but he knew that putting us with the four horsemen was not only going to build the NWA and the Four Horsemen, it was going to build the Road Warriors. Wow. You know, and, uh, and at the time, it was the right rub for him to give to us on being our six-man partner and vice versa because we were over and we kind of rejuvenized Dusty a little bit, and Dusty already had the synonymous world-famous name that helped us out. So it was kind of an easy marriage to get together, and it was kind of a, you know, a lot of people balked at it. Oh, man, he put himself with the Road Warriors to get over it now. Dusty was already a name. I mean, he was tagging partners with Dick Murdoch, with Harley Race, with Larry Henning. I mean, he Dusty was around the block a little bit. So it wasn't like Dusty was some guy that wore polka dots all his life. I mean, he Dusty was the man at one time, you know? 
And one thing that I remember, especially watching uh, watch you guys on NWA Pro Wrestling in the uh, mid '80s, you know, and I was I was ten years old watching you guys, and you used to come on Channel Thirty every uh, every Saturday night, and you, the Four Horsemen they was they was such a a great diverse group, all for one, one for all. But when you guys were beside Dusty Rose, it really gave him. Uh, more firepower, and you guys were kind of, uh, you know, fed off each other because now Dusty had some serious backup. I mean, you guys just came in and just straight kicked ass and didn't even bother asking any questions. Yeah, that was our job was to kick ass and take damage. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, that's, but that was the way the business had to be back then, you know. I mean, at that time, wrestling was at an all-time low. And, you know, we, Dusty saw the writing on the wall. I mean, we were part of a new era. Not that there wasn't muscular guys in our business, because there was. Because look at Jimmy Snota, Paul Largar, you know, Don Morocco, and, 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 you know, Bruno San Martino, and, you know, Ivan Putsky. There was a lot of built guys, but very few built guys can do what Hawk and I could do. We, I mean, we could literally do drop kicks and flips and, and, and we were actually pretty agile. We were athletes. You know what I mean? We weren't a re- we weren't a wrestler coming out of amateur wrestling into pro wrestling, right? And, and Dusty saw that. It was a, it was a it was a birth of a new era of athlete. And Dusty saw that. I mean, even today, I, I was talking to a couple guys backstage the other day at the Rams game after my son got done playing, and they said, "Man, you guys would be the top team today if you went into wrestling, because we were so far ahead of our time that it fits right in with today's mentality." Yeah, that I don't care. That I don't care mentality. How can I have that? I, don't, I didn't care. I didn't care if you're a baby face or heel. I'd get in the ring and kick your ass. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that's what our that's what our match was. That's what you know. And Paul Ellering helped us a lot with that. That's why we went into a lot of places. We said we had our own dressing room, but we sat in the hallway by ourselves. We didn't want to be associated with the good guys or the bad guys. We were just the guys that beat people up. Didn't matter. When you watch the uh, the Dudley Boys and they they recently made a return back to uh, to WWE, does they they get mentioned often as one of the great teams? Do you consider them in the same category? Would you guys be number one? But do they fit up there in that in that list of great tag teams? Uh, you know, I would say they would fit maybe top five, top ten. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard, bro. When you think of tag teams, right off the top of my head, you got. You know, Hanson and Brody. You got Steiner Brothers. You got Funks. You got the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. You got Meta Express, Rock and Roll Express. That's just like five or six teams right there. So then, where does that put the Dudleys in that group? You know, I mean, I know in Bubba's own mind, he thinks, "Well, we you know we won the WWE Tag Team Tournaments ten times." Well, yeah, you won the same belts ten times. <laughs> How many? But no, no. But I don't mean to be disrespectful. Right. But you know, and really, with Hawk and I, we won some twenty odd different belts. Wow. I mean, from Mexico to Australia to five different Japanese companies to, you know, WWF, WWE, WCW, NWA, Georgia Championship Wrestling. I mean, all these. You know, working for Billy Jack out in Oregon and and from Canada for Montreal working for the Rougeaus. We won multiple, multiple different belts wow. and held two or three belts at one time. And like we defended the Japanese belt against the AW and NWA belts in America. Bob let us bring the belts over to defend them and protect the belts. 
that's how much he trusted us. So, I mean, it, it's different today because you have basically one game in town right now. And, and so it's hard to say uh, for anybody to open up their mouth out and say, now, hey, we're the greatest tag team. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> and then why, why, do you, why do you think the Ascension is dead? Wow. <laughs> the, uh, no, because they start talking about Hawk and I. Right. And right away, right away when you try to compare yourself to the measuring stick, the measuring stick's always going to win. Right. You listen to In the Zone, this is Palm Alexander, a.k.a. The Living Legend, K-I-L, 1L and Kill, but Kill, Still Kill. Sit across from me is Arlington A-Train Lane. On the other end of this line is one of the greatest of all time, Animal, one half of the Legion of Doom. And um, the Ascension, I'm glad you brought them up. When I instantly saw them, it 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 burned me up a little bit because I'm looking at some some cheap knockoff of of something that I've always viewed as greatness. I mean, since since I was ten years, I mean, I'm forty now, so I've been you know watching you guys, following you guys, trying to emulate you guys' promos even as a young kid, and then I see this come along, and I just feel insulted to a degree. But that's just the fan of me coming out though. Well, you know, I tell you what, to be honest with me, I really didn't give it much thought. I mean, I know my daughter went on my Facebook and answered some stuff. You know, everybody thought it was me getting pissed off. But, you know, I, to be honest with you, it was so bad, I didn't even want to acknowledge it. Wow. Because it was, I mean, and, and I want to make it clear, it's not the guy that were doing it. It's the way the promotion did it. Ah. How do you have these guys go on TV and try and, you know, mentioning Hawk and I in an interview and everything else, and then you have DX and uh, DOA beat them up or whatever, or whoever beat them up. Oh, or, yeah, Bradshaw. You know, Bradshaw and, and, yeah, and Bradshaw APA. Why wouldn't you have me come down with my spike shoulder pads on and just, you know, and it was so made for that. It's just that that company, and here's the thing with WWE guys. WWE or WWF didn't make the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors were already a household name before we even went and worked there. You know, that's part of the problem. Why you don't see us doing anything with WWE today. Because they take care of their own talent and they take care of everybody else. If you're already a known entity, they don't even really, like I've not done any appearances for them since I got put in the Hall of Fame, which is strange to me because, like you say, on their website, they're real happy to say the greatest tag team of all time and they make new action figures. And they sell us like crazy, but they don't have me do any appearances, any acknowledging, any fan fest, going over promotional tours for Europe and everything. And I've asked a million times, I'm trying to the point I got tired of asking, which is really, really kind of weird. I mean, if you think about it, you'll go, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. And the perfect, the, the perfect thing would be to have me come down. Now, listen, there's such a thing in the wrestling business called the warrior pop, okay? And that was just like the gorilla position where guys are getting ready to go out for TV. It's called a gorilla position named, named after gorilla monsoon. Well, the warrior pop is when somebody gets a standing ovation that's beyond loud. It's crazy. That's the road warrior pop. And we started that in the wrestling business because when we used to play our music, the fans would come literally unglued. They would know, oh, shit, somebody's going to get their ass beat today. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and that's what was known in the business. And, and, to get that kind of reaction, I don't know if you guys remember the Raw uh, 2012 show. Yeah, yeah, the 1,000th episode. Raw 1,000th episode, and I wrestled uh, Heath Slater. 
the, the pop in St. Louis was so deafening, and the next night in Baltimore was so deafening that uh, they weren't going to have me on TV again. Why would you have me on TV, a legend that's retired, and you get a louder cheer than your world champion that's coming down to the ring? Mm, yeah. They, they, they don't like that stuff. So that's why you don't ever see me on their shows doing anything or my face being making cameos because it's just it's, it's that, that's a fact. And you know something else? I think not just with you, too, but I think it was the same thing with Arn Anderson, with Tully Blanchard. The first time Ric Flair came over, even with Sting, you guys were so big already, and you wasn't a creation of the machine. They really didn't know what to do to you, with you, rather. Well, not only that, I mean, why do you think they beat Sting right away? Mm. And it came from, and it came from Hunter doing it. Yeah, is that is that a personal thing? Do you think that was a personal thing? Oh, heck yes! Are you kidding me? Yes. I wanted to say the same yeah. thing, but I wanted to hear it from uh, a person that's been in the business for a long time, such as yourself, because the way that I looked at it, the two pay-per-view losses that Sting has, you know, it, it, everybody said it was to put over Seth Rollins and to put over Triple H to say that he won over, you know, WCW. But I look at it as you had a personal problem with Sting. Oh, yeah, that's by far, that, that was a major thing on it. They had a personal problem thing. Are you guys hearing music? Not not yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. <laughs> Somebody I, trying to get in on the action. My head, no, but I'm hearing music in my headset. Oh. No, but it was, it was personal. And if you, met, if you listen to the comments, it was the last, it was the last of the hurrah, the last of the Mohicans that got beat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sting was the last guy from the old WCW era that hasn't been beat yet, and he got beat. So, yeah, it was personal, bro. Wow. I think it was definitely personal. Wow. So where uh, where you are in Route 2 today, are you still actively wrestling? No, I don't. You know, I could wrestle there, and I'm in good enough shape, too, because I always stay in shape. I'm still about 275 pounds and work out all the time. But, you know, I, I'm on my way today. To go uh, do an appearance for a Harley race in Kansas City. Wow. Yeah, Harley's boy called me up and said, hey, man, we'd love for you to come do an appearance for us. And I said, you got it. I'll do it. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing today. That's right. excellent. That's excellent. Well, we we got we got to get you back in studio because we going we want to we going to give you all the time you need because we want to really dig into it. I know you you know you're driving and safety always come first. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. And we got a date set up. You're going to come back to the studio, and we're going to blow this thing all the way out. Oh, heck yeah, man. I love to come in the studio. You got nothing better than talking to guys that know good quality guys about the wrestling business, you know? Oh, yeah. And by the way, I, I got to tell you this uh, before we go. I had my mom in 86. My mom got me an AWA wrestling ring for Christmas. And she, you know, and I had the Royal Rory um, wrestling figures, and I want to be, I want to be Hawk, and my brother was was you, and uh, we just we couldn't wait to kick the hell out of Stan Lane and the Fabulous Ones. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that's the way Hawk and I felt in real life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the good thing about my my wrestling figures. If you, if you notice with my wrestling figures and Hawks, they don't know how to lay on their back at all. 
I love this wrestling business. I mean, my first love was football. You guys know from a boy playing for the Rams and stuff. So, I mean, you know, I taught him everything. How to, what to look for his keys as a linebacker and helped him out. But that was my first love. I got myself in 